everyone remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 155th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. Now, this is it, everybody. It's the final countdown for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's going to be released this week in the United States. Our friends all around the world in certain areas have had it for a little while now, but soon we will all be able to enjoy this film together. I can't wait uh, to start the discussion. Last week also marked the release of Jurassic World Evolution. We have a lot to talk about with that. I know so many of us have been hooked to our screens playing it recently. I absolutely love it. It has its flaws, but I think it's a very fun game. Every day I'm just itching to get back to it and play it even more. Frontier did an amazing job putting that one together. Um, And also last week marked the release of Michael Giacchino's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom score. I've been listening to it nonstop. Um, I didn't know what to make of it after the initial viewing, but upon uh, re-listening, I'm hearing how epic it actually is. Maybe not as varied of a score as Jurassic World, but I think it is very awesome. We'll certainly be covering it in great detail soon, but for now, let's dive into today's show. In this episode, we have some news regarding Jurassic VR, box office figures, some news from Universal Orlando, and of course, a birthday to celebrate. After that, we're going to head into the Visitor Center for a lovely chat with Tess Sharp, author of the novel, The Evolution of Claire. I had such a great time discussing her work, her history, and of course, as much as we could about The Evolution of Claire. I have been reading it, and it's been a blast so far, and I can't wait for all of you to learn more about the book before its release on June 26th. For now, we have all the links in our show notes for you to pre-order the book, but also, I might be announcing a way for you to obtain a copy yourself. Make sure to stay tuned to the end of the Visitor Center for more information. As usual, we do have a few plugs to get underway before we start the show. Last week's bonus episode, one of the bonus episodes, was the game trail covering Jurassic World Evolution. It was mine and Aaron Byer's reactions to the game. We actually sat down on the Tuesday that it was released, played for like 12 hours or so straight all day long, and uh, gave you our initial reactions. Uh, We've been playing like a lot more since then, and I think we had some good things, we had some bad things, a lot that could have been brushed up on, but overall, I think we were very positive about the game, so make sure to check out that bonus episode. The second bonus episode from last week was the Innovation Center with Tom Fishenden and his reactions to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom out in the UK. He actually had a bunch of people tag along with him to the viewings, so make sure to check out that bonus episode as well. Well, now, this week's bonus episode will be my reactions to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. They will be spoiler reactions because this will be airing after the film is released, you know, on its release night here in the United States. That episode does feature Jennifer Tarek, Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost. So, you're, you gotta stay tuned for that one because that was from, actually we recorded that a few weeks ago when we saw it, I think on June 5th. Um, I recorded a little bit pre-seeing the movie, and then, of course, the three of us recorded after seeing the movie. And I would say probably all three of us, our thoughts have changed uh, drastically since then, even, in in certain cases. Um, Upon initial release, you'll hear everything that we thought about the movie, but just keep in mind that uh, with time, things certainly change. But I think it's going to be a really interesting episode for you all to listen to. 
Now, furthermore, we do have some contests going on on our website and all over the web, actually. Um, I may, maybe hinted at one just before, so make sure to keep listening for that information. We also do have two prize packs of Mattel toys to give away for you guys. So the first grand prize winner will receive the uh, Gyrosphere Blast Vehicle, along with the Owen and Baby Blue figure. Now, that one is so super cute. The, the Baby Blue, it has Owen with a dagger and a bag there and also included in that grand prize is the attack pack velociraptor blue figure now our runner-ups will receive the dinosaur trainer owen that actually has a bunch of gear a big shield and some armor on him and then also velociraptor blue attack pack as well so those are our two prize packs that you can find on instagram Now, to win those, you actually have to like our page on Instagram. You have to like the post about the contest. And also, in that post, make sure you tag a friend uh, so they can see the contest as well. Now, that contest will run from 12 a.m. on June 18th, 2018, and will conclude on June 30th, 2018 at 12 a.m. So that one gives you plenty of time to enter that contest. Make sure you uh, tag along over on our Instagram. We are Jurassic Park Podcast over there, so make sure to check it out. And we do have another contest. We actually have two copies of the board game Jurassic Park Danger from Ravensburger. So if you head to our website, you can find out all the information about this giveaway. This one can be found over on Facebook. So if you just search for the Jurassic Park podcast on Facebook, make sure to follow us, like the post about the contest, and tag a friend in that contest as well. So this one is basically just like the Mattel one over on Instagram, but just do those things in order to uh, be accepted into the contest. Follow us, like the post, and tag your friend. Now, if you haven't played this game, it's a very awesome game, a full board game basically based off uh, Isla Nublar with dinosaurs and humans. It's a blast. I love this thing, and we have two copies for you guys, so make sure to check out that contest. But that wraps up our three contests for this week. We actually have even more coming next week, so stay tuned. There's a lot of awesome stuff on the plate here. We're still celebrating Jurassic June. We have this week and next week, so I hope everybody enjoys all the contests that we're putting together for you. All right, so that was a lot of information. This is a big week. We have a great interview with Tess Sharp. We have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on the way. I am so excited. This is going to be fantastic. So why don't we get this one started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me. Access me. Security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. It's day. I guarantee it. Kicking off the news, we actually have some information from the box office for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, last weekend, it earned $151 million in, uh, I believe, 46 or so markets. And this weekend, it earned a further $173 million in 51 markets, including China, where it made $111 million. That is fantastic for the three-day opening. It is Universal's second biggest opening in the market behind The Fate of the Furious. And uh, that's pretty fantastic. The total is up to $370 million already. So that is great. Now, the downside to that $111 million is that they had actually projected $125 million. So it is slightly down from that. But it's still a very big number. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the second best uh, for Hollywood in China this year. The fourth best ever. Um, for an import, and uh, that was behind The Fate of the Furious, Avengers Infinity War, and Transformers The Last Night. And another thing to note here is that this haul already has taken the franchise, so all five movies passed $4 billion worldwide. Um, That is crazy, and of course, this movie has yet to open up in a bunch of big markets still. That is is very awesome, and, uh, you know, congratulations to everybody over these... 25 years uh this this franchise has earned four billion dollars that is so fantastic for more information on the box office report head to deadlines link in our show notes (laughs) 
Dave & Buster's announced that they're starting to roll out a new Jurassic World themed VR ride in over 100 Dave & Buster's locations throughout the United States and Canada. So from an article on Variety.com, they actually mentioned that it, you know, it's a motion simulator with chairs, you have the HT Vive VR headsets, you can have up to four players at a time, and uh, you can basically join a quest to rescue as many dinosaurs as you can within five minutes. Um, and I guess you're stuck in this vehicle that's speeding through Nublar. And of course, you're very close to danger with all these dinosaurs. So basically, you have the uh, headset on. You also have like a, uh, a gun type thing in your hand, a controller, where you're trying to capture these dinosaurs. And you can actually play against your friends in that uh, motion simulator. Now, the deal to create this VR attraction was between Amblin Entertainment, Universal Studios, and the Virtual Reality Company. So apparently, via the Virtual Reality Company's creative director, James Lima, ha uh, he had mentioned that it is part of canon. I guess they had paid close attention to the storylines throughout the series to make it fit in with the movies. So that's pretty interesting there. Um, and I'm very excited to head out to a Dave & Buster's, hopefully sometime soon, and check it out. If you want more information about this system, head to the link in our show notes. Universal Orlando finally announced that they're bringing a new nighttime show to the waterfront part of the uh, original park. It's going to be called Universal Orlando's Cinematic Celebration. And of course, it will be featuring Jurassic World as one of the films in the show. Now, here's a little information from Universal Orlando's website. An epic new show is lighting up the night at Universal Studios Florida with a colossal celebration of music, water, and light that transforms the park and takes you into the movies like never before. As music from the world's biggest films fill the air, scores of shining, dancing fountains erupt. Massive walls of water blaze with incredible movie moments and powerful projections bring the entire waterfront into the movies. You'll see and hear roaring dinosaurs from Jurassic World, feel the adrenaline rush of high-speed cars from Fast and Furious, watch the mischievous antics of the Minions from Illumination's Despicable Me, and so much more. Don't miss the amazing new show that's making nights at Universal Studios brighter and bolder than ever. So if you've actually frequented a Disney park, you may have seen a show just like this, either like World of Color out in Disney's California Adventure, Fantasmic on both coasts, and uh, Rivers of Light over in Animal Kingdom. Uh, they actually project like big fountains and uh, project images on those fountains, just like I had mentioned there. And it's always a very cool show. I like it a lot. Don't sit close because you'll probably get wet. But I think this is going to be fantastic. Finally, they're getting a new update. And, you know, it did re replace a show that actually had some Jurassic Park moments. But now we'll actually have some Jurassic World moments. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We actually wrote up an article on our website showcasing a little bit of the construction, um, an image from the announcement, and some more quotes over there. So make sure to check it out on JurassicParkPodcast.com and also find the link to that article in our show notes. And lastly here, happy birthday to Mr. Chris Pratt. His birthday is the same day as the early previews for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on Thursday, June 21st. Happy birthday, man, and my fingers are crossed that the box office roars to life for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom this weekend. Oh, there it is. There it is. In anticipation of the premiere of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Geeks Who Drink, the homegrown pub trivia quiz, hosted at over 900 locations nationwide, will feature four Jurassic Park-themed quiz rounds during events throughout the week of June 18th. In addition, Ravensburger will be giving away copies of their new game, Jurassic Park Danger, at Geeks Who Drink events during the week of June 18th, in 10 markets including Denver, Austin, Seattle, Dallas, Houston, L.A., Kansas City, Boston, Chicago, and New York. For more information on a Geeks Who Drink event near you, visit geekswhodrink.com. For more information on Jurassic Park Danger, visit ravensburger.us. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center and welcome in Tess Sharp, author of the novel The Evolution of Claire. Hi, 
I'm here today inside the iconic visitor center after a wonderful dish of Chilean sea bass from Alejandro. Um, and I've brought a guest along with me to experience the beauty of this park, Tess Sharp, author of the novel centering around Claire Deering's journey into the person that we saw in Jurassic World. That book is The Evolution of Claire. Tess, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I am so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a nice nice visitor center, right? It's pretty comforting. I think it's nice. <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about uh, with your book and everything, but before Definitely. we get into that, I wanna I wanna start it off real difficult, real hard question for you. Okay. All right. So if you were stuck in a kitchen with a Velociraptor, what would you do, and would you make it out alive? Oh wow, that's a tough one. You know, I I worked in professional kitchens for seven years, so I feel like oh. this would be my 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 element. You know. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I would grab a cast iron skillet because, you know, that's the best weapon in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Try to stun the raptor enough to try to make my escape to the nearest walk-in fridge. But I would be smart. I would barricade the door so that the raptor could not get in, you know? Okay. There are, ra- there are big racks in a walk-in, and you can kind of, like, prevent the raptor from coming in. I think I would hide out rather than running because I am not a very fast runner and I could not, I could not outrun a raptor at all. <laughs> no, yeah, I think unless you can run like what 45, 60 miles an hour or something along those lines, I think uh you best your best bet is just stay still, hunker down, try and find something to attack it with, but otherwise it's tough luck, you know. I am all about barricading myself somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I like that you at least have experience in the kitchen. Not anybody that I've asked recently has uh, had any experience there. So I think that's oh, yeah. a plus. But... I, I, baked, I, I baked for seven years, so it was, it was very fun. <laughs> <laughs> so are you making it out alive? Is that happening? Because that's key. Oh, that, I don't know. It'd be kind of egotistical to me to, for me to think that I might be able to get out. I mean, they are <laughs> You know, I think that I would probably get eaten. I think that I would probably trip at some point trying to get away from them. Yeah. And they would eat me. I'm very clumsy, unfortunately. (laughs) It seems to happen a lot. Not many people ever say that they're going to make it out, unfortunately. Right. (laughs) All right. So let's uh, let's dive into it then. Why don't we go back to the beginning and just find out how you got your start in writing? My evolution. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I started writing books really, really young. I started writing books when I was a preteen. I was a very ambitious homeschooler. So I was kind of allowed to do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And so I was very fortunate in that pack, that part. Um, I started seriously pursuing publishing when I was 17, which is when I went to college. Um, I'm actually a college dropout. I didn't finish college, but um, it was I was not suited for it personally. Um, but one of the reasons that I relate a lot to Claire as a character is because I was a very, very ambitious young woman, and I was really focused on what I wanted. I had like a, I had, I had tunnel vision. <laughs> I wanted to be a published writer, and that's all I wanted. And so I really worked hard towards my goals, and I was very, very focused on that. I sold my first book for teenagers when I was 24. Um, that was the murder mystery far from you. And, um, it came out when I was 26 cause books typically take 18 months to come out. Um, and now I write books for teens and for adults under this name. And then I write under several other names that are secret. Um, I feel really lucky that I get to do really different kinds of books. I write murder mysteries. I write romance novels. And then I get to write this, which is like a total dream come true. <laughs> And it's always like such a big challenge to really switch genres and um, different um, and age groups as well. So I feel really lucky that I get to do all of that. It's it's a huge challenge. Yeah, that sounds like a lot, especially switching the genres part. I, I can't imagine that that's pretty difficult. But um, do you have any you know influences that kind of cued you up to doing something like that to be able to oh, switch and, and do that? Like author wise, like Neville Shoot. Lisa Gardner, who's an amazing thriller writer, Melinda Lowe, like changed my life. Um, she's a YA writer. And um, I actually got to take a workshop from her when um, I was younger. And she's just a wonderful mentor and a wonderful writer. And of course, Michael Crichton, because oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I also really like to um, draw influences from other sorts of media, like TV and film and music. Each book that I write definitely has its own influences. Mm-hmm. For Claire, I, I listened to a lot of the Jurassic Park soundtracks. It really put me in the mood while I was writing. And I spent a lot of time in the forest with my notebook, 
um, acting out certain of uh, certain important scenes that had a lot of action in them. So I got the emotions and the actual blocking of the characters right. I'm a big fan of like doing things in the book if I can do them to really get the reality down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes figuring out where the dinosaur is in relation to all of the characters is hard. <laughs> I totally, I, I totally use my dogs as stand-in dinosaurs several times and when I was blocking the action scenes to kind of get them all right. <laughs> but they didn't behave very well, unfortunately. They were always wandering off. <laughs> they're, they're usually a little bit cuter as well, so, you know, you can give them that. Or furry, definitely. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, going back to, like, my old days, um, I was introduced to Jurassic Park through my mom, who actually was reading the, the novel, you know, the original novel back in, I don't know, 91, 92, somewhere in that range when she was reading it. And she would tell me of like how scary it was and how, how much, uh, how dark and just, I don't know, it wasn't for like a little kid like me, but I remember her reading it out on the porch, being in that element, kind of like you were saying, just being out in the woods like that. So that's, yeah. I think that's a good, that's like a key thing is to, to put yourself in that sort of situation. It's kind of hard mm-hmm. to do that when you're well, when no dinosaurs exist in real life, you I know, know, but <laughs> but that's the, that's the best you can do. So you got some dogs there, you got some trees. I think that works. Yeah, definitely. So when were you like originally introduced to Jurassic Park? It's so funny that you mentioned your mom because I had the opposite experience. <laughs> I grew up without a television, and my mom really monitored what I could and couldn't watch. Uh-huh. She was. She was very anti-violence, and she was very determined um, not to expose me to a lot of violence on screen, which is super ironic because I grew up to write murder mysteries. Um, so <laughs> she failed miserably, obviously. <laughs> but, so she somehow got into her head, even though she never watched the movie, that Jurassic Park was like going to be too much for me. So I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. She thought that I would get upset if one of the dinosaurs got hurt, which admittedly, I was a very dinosaur and animal obsessed child and it probably would have upset me a little bit Mm. (laughs) because I was a little sensitive um but like so as a child I like internalized that the movies would be too much for me and I ended up not watching them until I was an adult if you can believe it (laughs) It was, in fact, my husband who introduced them to me when we were still dating. He found out that I hadn't watched them, and he was, like, shocked. He kept, like, saying over and over again, but, babe, you love dinosaurs. You love dinosaurs. (laughs) And so we took a weekend, and we got snacks, and we binged all of them. And I remember I kept, like, looking over at him, like, in, like, utter delight. And he just kept going, I know, babe, I know. Look at what you've been missing all these years. Like, yeah, of course, so it's now amazing. The movies are kind of our special thing. His wedding ring actually has an inlay of dinosaur bone because of this. Oh, wow. The kind of geeks we are. That's awesome. That is so great. And I love that I got to share it with the person who knows me the most and loves me the most and made it so special for me. I would have loved to have watched them as a kid. And I do kind of regret that I didn't. But I also love that how transformative they are. They really bring you back to that moment of childhood where you have all that wonder. And so it was really fun to kind of go back there as an adult when you went being exposed to them as the first time as an adult. Because yeah. I I felt so transported back to childhood watching them with new, with new childlike eyes, really. And so it was a wonderful experience in that sense. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like we ever really lose that feeling as adults. You know, we all want to yeah. still be that kid. And these movies, every one of these movies is about family and there's always a child or, or children there to, uh, you know, connect with you and to show the movie like through their eyes. So I think that's a big part of it. I agree. That's what I that's, that's what I really love about them. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really associate with, you know, family drama and stuff like that, but that's what these movies really are. They you know, at the they center really at their hearts. I yeah. agree. Yeah, and um all right, so you came into this very late. So I did. the 25th yes. anniversary it maybe is not as impactful for you, but that's where we are right now. It's it's definitely special though. Oh my god, oh, so so special because it's such it's such a it's such a it's such a historical thing like it's such a part of our society and our our narrative as you know our as a part of the larger sci-fi narrative as a whole which mm-hmm. is so exciting well yeah we keep talking about recently actually how there's no other dinosaur media out there you know right. really jurassic park has taken over and it, it it's, and it's never letting go genre uh-huh. like 
because it's just so fabulous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have, you know, tons of superhero movies with all different characters and, and, you know, DC and Marvel and all that stuff and space movies. So, like, every other genre can tolerate mul- multiple, you know, uh, versions, but not Jurassic, like, not dinosaurs. There's one. It's the only one. It's the best one. Um, so 25 years is, is a, a true feat, I think, and to be this powerful still, you know. Um, so bringing it back, though, to that movie, do you have anything uh, like a particular moment from that film that stands out to you as like the best moment? Anytime that Rexy is on screen, <laughs> I am happy. Um, I am like 100% a Rexy fangirl. Um, that scene with her in the rain in the first movie where she attacks the Jeeps and the kids are trapped and Grant and Malcolm can't get to them. Every time I'm like, every single time I watch it, I probably watched it at least 20 times at this point. Um, I'm scared for them, even though I know they're going to be okay. Yeah. And then as a former professional baker, of course, the Raptors in the kitchen just <laughs> Like there were some Sundays when I used to work in the diner where it felt like Raptors were chasing us because we were so busy. So I'm like, I relate to this. <laughs> <laughs> you ever wonder why all that food is just sitting out there at the end of the movie? Like, oh, definitely. I'm like, who is it for, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Still, I'm like, why? There's like a full spread with Jello and cakes and I don't everything. Who cooked yeah, it? Alejandro by himself? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that these movies have, um, you know, really iconic characters. The new movies are certainly creating those iconic characters for the fandom and and even outside the fandom. Um, So you got to write about Claire, but do you have any characters from the first three films um, that would stand out to you as somebody like, I want to write about that person? Oh, I would love to write about Sarah Harding. I I like my redheads. Uh, (laughs) I would love to write about her adventures, you know, because she's, you know, she's a woman in STEM and she's, um, she's so focused. Like you can tell this is like her passion in life. And I'm like, where, how did she get there? How do you get there? And like, I'm so interested in, you know, the idea of characters growing up with the with just always having dinosaurs around like it's just it's a fascinating concept to think about even yeah. and it, how it affects the way you look at the world how it affects just how you look at science how you look at evolution how you look at all of these things and it's if there's just so many story potentials potential i love it <laughs> so much as a writer i'm just like oh my god there's so much that you guys can do this is yeah. so exciting yeah, really. Hey, hey, let's have, let's have spin-offs for every character. I'm down for that. I hope you know? so. I really do. <laughs> yeah, she would be a great one. She is is very well defined from the moment you meet her and you hear yes, about definitely. her ahead of time, so you're learning even before you see her. And then you see her on screen and just the way she's dressed, the way she acts, how she's just straightforward goes into the into essentially into battle with these dinosaurs and just doesn't care. She's, she's fine. Oh my yeah. gosh. She's not traumatized. I would, not, I would not go to the island by myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know that is like uh, we don't talk about that enough that she was there alone like by herself just documenting, just doing her thing and and wasn't afraid because she's dealt with this before. You know, not well, yeah. not dinosaurs, but predators. But yeah, she's a fearless woman. She's very interesting. I'm like, what made you like that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned like the the premise of like you know kids growing up with dinosaurs and stuff their whole lives. That's actually like one of the you know the crux of the entire new movie is like the, their their viral marketing that like can or are you okay with your children growing up without uh, any dinosaurs or anything exactly, like that? And that's that's yeah. a really I love that moment, you know, in the movie and in the marketing and all that. I think that it sells it really well. I agree. I really agree. Yeah. So I, I do, you know, this is kind of out of left field, but this um, this question, I, I love asking people about the Universal Studios and going to the parks, actually experiencing it kind of firsthand as much as you possibly can. Because like we said, there's not real dinosaurs, but this is as close as you're going to get. So have you ever been able to visit any of these uh, Jurassic Park areas? I have not. I'm such a homebody. I stay in my chunk of the woods <laughs> for the most part. Going to the premiere in L.A. was like such a big deal. Like all my friends were shocked that I went because I barely leave the woods. But it is definitely <laughs> on my list of things to do next time in, I'm in L.A. I have to go down to L.A. to record one of my audiobooks sometime this year for one of my other books. Uh-huh. So hoping that I will be able to um, visit during that time when I'm down there because, yeah, I'm, I'm invested. I'm like, I need to go. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah, I guess uh, in September it's closing down. So hopefully it's not around that time. Yeah. That's so fresh. It needs yeah. to stay forever. 
<laughs> well, it'll be closing down for uh, a few months and then reopening, rebranded. So, you oh, know, yeah. so it'll be Jurassic World now. You know, gone are the days of Jurassic Park as a thing, really. But um, all new things must come, unfortunately, or fortunately. <laughs> it's, it's about time because, you know, if you haven't experienced it, they are sort of dated in a way. Um, so it will be amazing to kind of reinvigorate the rides and make yeah, them a lot better. That's true. Yeah, it will be really cool to see what they come up with next. The technology has advanced so much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And incorporating Jurassic World and those characters and those dinosaurs, I think, will be a, a big plus because um, I think, you know, that movie is already iconic at this point to Definitely. me and to a lot of people, yeah. I think. I think so, too. Yeah. What were your thoughts like back when you saw it? Um, Did you see it back in 2015 or was this more recent? I did. I did see it back in 2015. (laughs) I loved it because it was, you know, because I I immediately connected with Claire. I love that there was a strong woman character um, at the lead. I love Claire and Owen's dynamic. Um, it, I am an old movie fan and it really reminds me of Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland way back in the 1930s when they played Robin Hood and made Marion. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but like, <laughs> I love their chemistry. I love that. The, I love the humor. I love that there's always these fun moments of humor, even in the peril. Like, and I love that they really focused on the dinosaurs personalities and blue and the idea of training the dinosaurs is so fascinating to me mm-hmm. that I just I want to know everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've been huge, you know, supporters of this movie. And, you know, Jennifer Tarek and I have been like constantly, you know, just saying that Claire is a great character and she deserves more. She she doesn't get enough credit. And I think a lot of people look at Jurassic World with cynical eyes and don't I don't know, maybe maybe are a little too serious because it's a fun blockbuster movie. And I think you need to see it that way. And like you said, it's it's kind of reminding you of the past, uh, what they're trying to how they're trying to approach the movie. I think they did a great job with it. Yes, I feel like you should lose yourself in the delight of dinosaurs when watching these movies because they're just so delightful. Like that's what I always go into them because they're just they're just such a fun ride. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Um, so, you know, I guess moving on to your book here, well, we've got to talk about that, right? I mean, we probably yes. should. Um, how were you uh, approached, you know, to be the author of, of The Evolution of Claire? So my editor, Rachel Pulaski, had read my YA book, Far From You, and she had really loved it. Um, she heard that I had a window of time available through my agent. Sometimes when I have, like, when I'm between projects, I'll have my agent, like, just send out a basic email to um, a bunch of editors being like, hey, Tess has a free window. If there are any um, intellectual property um, projects that you're, interest- that you're interested in her writing, she has this window of time. Um, And so she emailed him back to ask if I would be interested in writing a sci-fi book. At the time, we did not know it was a Jurassic Park book. (laughs) And my agent was like, hey, Tess, are you interested in writing sci-fi? Do you actually write sci-fi? Because he had signed me for my contemporary murder mysteries and I hadn't ever given him, he hadn't ever seen any of my sci-fi work. But I had actually spent most of my teen years writing sci-fi. That was my first love. But um, for me... I get really obsessive when I'm world building to the point where I will spend like four years writing a sci-fi book. Mm-hmm. And so like financially, that's not wise. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was kind of like an amazing opportunity because the world is already built and I get to put a little of my flair on it. But the world is already so established that I just get to play in it, yeah. which is such a joy for me. And so I was like, yeah, I would totally write a sci-fi. And then a few weeks later, I had been told that I was chosen to write the book. And then that's when they told me it was a Jurassic book. And I basically went like into spasms of happiness because it is my favorite franchise. And also like Michael Crichton, he's a legend, you know, like I feel so lucky and really honored to get to write in this amazing world that is so rich with story possibilities. It was just such a joy to write. It was so much fun. I'm sure. (laughs) like it it just must have been that feeling everybody likes to keep it secret you know like hey we want you to write this thing and it turns out to be one of the biggest franchises of all time that that's got to be a lot of pressure on you right yeah I was just I was I was I felt so lucky but I was like oh my god I have to get this right I have to get this right (laughs) yeah you know uh, I don't I, I tend to compare us to like Star Wars fandom in a way I would say that we're not necessarily as 
you know, maybe out of control as sometimes Star Wars is. I think we're a pretty grounded group of people. Oh, everybody, everybody in the fandom has been so sweet and so nice and so enthusiastic. Like, it's been so wonderful. It really is. I normally do not write books that fandoms form around because, you know, I kill off my characters and my murder <laughs> mysteries. Um, <laughs> dark books and so like to be a part of this is to experience a fandom like I was involved in the Harry Potter fandom when I was young I was involved you know like I used to write fan fiction like before I wrote so like now I'm basically getting paid to write fan fiction (laughs) which is like an amazing thing to actually get to say so to be part of a fandom in this way is just I 12 year old Tess is very proud of 31 year old Tess (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think that's the way things are nowadays. I think it's become, um, you know, kind of fan fiction for for all of us because, you know, people like Colin Trevorrow or, you know, J.A. Bayona and all these people are creating something that they grew up loving or watching. And and it's kind of, you know, they have the chance to take a stab at it and do their own thing. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's high canon, like very true fan fiction in a way. Yeah, it, it is. It, when it, you, when you're dealing with a franchise that has this many years behind it, it's so cool because you might have been exposed to it as a child and then you get to be a part of it. It's just like, it's amazing. I still like, I still quite, can't quite believe it. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I wrote the entire book, but I still can't quite believe it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, it'll hit you one of these days, probably. I know, right? <laughs> um, so you've already talked about him quite a bit, Michael Crichton. Obviously, he's you know, he's one, he's probably the most important piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, he's the guy who did it all. He created it. Obviously, Steven Spielberg and and Colin Trevorrow now and Jay Bayona are bringing it to life in a different way. Um, But what kind of uh, essence of Michael Crichton's books did you use as like a guideline or inspiration for the evolution of Claire? I definitely tried to work in some references to the books and the past movies. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about forming the book and the pacing, especially, and the details of the park and the world building, I definitely looked to the Crichton canon for kind of the feel he was going for. Because, like, writing a book and writing a screenplay are completely different things. Mm-hmm. There are world building elements that go into a book that might not go into a movie, which, which I, I will say is like the most exciting thing to explore in this book, like the park getting built how you prepare the dinosaurs for all these crowds, how to handle like the day-to-day of what is basically this gigantic island wildlife refuge. (laughs) Um, You know, but a lot of the inspiration I drew when forming Teen Claire, especially her character, was watching Bryce's interviews about Claire. I felt that her thoughts and her interpretation of Claire was one of the most important things to zero in on since, you know, she brings Claire to life. She is the expert on Claire. And she's so inspiring and lovely. And I love how she portrays Claire with such nuance and humor and strength. And I really hope the book is worthy of the franchise and the books that came before it and Bryce's amazing performance because I drew inspiration from so many, so many venues that I I was really lucky that I had all of this stuff that I could look at and um, you know like it was really it's such it's such a it's such a franchise so so rich in so much media and information that was I felt very blessed to do that yeah you know it is tough because we have these novels we have the films we we don't really have much um, else expanding this is one of like the first true pieces of expanded material here and you know the books aren't necessarily canon with the movies mm-hmm. and the movies aren't with the books so it's like it's kind of all over the place but it's Definitely. it's great to see you know you're taking inspiration and everybody's taking inspiration from these original books mm-hmm. um, and still it's still crazy how they're still drawing from it and still creating stuff and that genre twist I guess you could say is like you know, this book has to be very different from those bo- those uh, original oh, books, and the movies have to be because there was mm-hmm. there were scenes in the original novel where it's just checking dinosaur counts for like three pages, and you're I like, know. "That's not you can't put that on screen," you know? Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's tough, but you know, you you, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, and that's what uh, he had to do to explain the world building, you know, back then and. Because it was new. Exactly. It was all new. You know, the, the whole so new. thing. I mean, it was such a revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I would I would love to just know where he where he was when that hit him. Like, sometimes ideas come to you in the strangest way. I once looked at a weird-looking tree trunk and got an, a book idea. <laughs> like, being a writer sometimes. Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I often... Stories 
behind those ideas though like it's always funny it's always sometimes it's really funny <laughs> yeah and it's it's great to see like michael Crichton is still uh essentially alive today in in media you yes. know because of stuff like westworld and these movies and your book like his his stories are still being told and that's awesome it's a total writer's dream, I would hope, at least. <laughs> yeah. So did you actually have to work hand-in-hand hand at all with Colin Trevorrow or even Bryce Dallas Howard? Did they have any input into the story? We had an entire team at Universal who was reading the book as I wrote it. And I do uh-huh. believe that Colin and quite a few other people involved in the movie read it as we were writing it. Everyone was so supportive and excited about publishing books in this franchise, like, I've been just, I feel so blessed. They're just so excited that this exists. Mm-hmm. And they're just all so enthusiastic about it. And Bryce has just been a total gem about this book. <laughs> so enthusiastic about the message and the theme. She even blurbed the book for me. And she sent the entire team the nicest personal note about it, which just totally touched me. She is like the most lovely lady. She has gone out of her way to be so supportive of this project. And she's like a giant movie star. I'm like... We're so nice. <laughs> it is crazy how down to earth she is, you know, and, and that personal feel oh, yeah. that she gives. Yeah, she gives everybody like a little bit of, you know, personal something that makes her feel like a real human, just like everybody else, you know? So wonderful. She really is. She's just, she's been just amazing with us. Yeah. I really, so I feel so honored and um, humbled and great. And she's just so gracious. Yeah, I know she's very um, picky about her character. You know, she wants it to be portrayed like how she envisions it in a way. She built the character basically from the ground up and defends it, you know, still. People are just constantly asking her questions about heels and how the character is portrayed. And she she just sticks to it every time. And I love that about her. She doesn't waver at all with her character, even when faced with you know, a completely drastic change in Fallen Kingdom. There's always a way to describe it. And I think something like this is helping define that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we talked about a little bit about pre-existing canon and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, was was it hard? Because there is a lot out there to, to kind of tie in stuff like the Mizrani Global website or, um, mm-hmm. you know, just the films in general. And, and of course, there were people like the past few years being like, well, is the Lost World a Jurassic Park 3 canon? I don't even know anymore because they didn't mention it in Jurassic World. So, like, was it kind of difficult to grasp all that canon and these tie in materials like Mizrani Global and now DPG Definitely. and stuff? I was really lucky. I had a Jurassic guide, essentially. Yeah. The amazing Estes, every step of the way, we formed the book together. And um, he was always checking it to make sure it was completely in line with the canon that was basically studio approved, that they wanted to go a certain way. I remember I made, I wanted, when I originally outlined it, I wanted to do one thing. And he was like, oh, no, we can't do that because of this, this. And I was like, okay. Um, and, um, so I definitely felt the pressure to get everything right and accurate. It's such a special franchise and it's in the hearts of so many people around the world. And since it's the first book in a long time, I felt the pressure to get it right because as a fan, I really want more Jurassic books. One's not written by me. Like I am so invested in this book's success because it might lead to more awesome books by other authors. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to read a book about Owen's early military life or when he started out as a trainer. I'm totally fascinated about how he got into this line of work and what his background was that made him made him choose this line of work you know Mm -hmm. and so yeah we definitely I definitely felt the pressure but I I had the most amazing team who knew everything so when I if if I ever did get stuck I had someone who had the answer immediately basically yeah I I love that idea because we've kind of talked about that before in the show is is branching out into other characters as well. This is just opening the door to that possibility. Yeah, it would would be great to to do that for anybody like any character that's out there would kind of be great to get some sort of story. And I think demographics wise, I don't think that matters too much in the Jurassic Park fandom. I think we all want to take in everything because it's not Star Wars. We don't have that availability where there's a new book every 10 days it feels like in comic books and movies every week and it's like and tv shows they have everything we have so little and we we all want to take it in no matter what 
you know, it is. Uh, maybe somebody doesn't necessarily want to read a book about Claire, but they're going to anyway. Like, they want exactly. to take it all like, in. I, want, I really hope that those people who want, you know, maybe a more high-octane thriller or a middle-grade book for younger kids about dinosaurs, I really, really hope that those people get their books because I really hope that they, we, we, they, they, uh, they end up publishing more books because I think that there's just this wealth of stories that you can write in young adult, in middle grade, in adult, in graphic novels, in like it, it lends itself to so many different things. Like there's just mm-hmm. such a wealth of stories in this franchise that can be told. And I really, I'm really hopeful that they will continue writing stories. I really do. Yeah. And I feel like they probably, did they at least have some sort of input uh, to you as to like, you need to go this direction or you need to do this because we because like right now it's a tough time because with the movie coming out and it I feel like the book is probably you know guiding that progression as to how Claire changes in this movie so there must have been some sort of like hey you have to hit this plot oh definitely so basically what they give you is like an out basically they call it a treatment yeah and so it's basically what they want the story to be like and so I took that and I made a um, outline from it. And then I do something called story mapping where I break the book down beat by beat, literally everything that happens in the book. I write it hand, I handwrite it because I'm <laughs> annoying. And, um, I handwrite it and then I type it up for them. But for me, like laying it out beat by beat is really the way to um, make sure that you have the pacing right and all of the, all of the canon accurate stuff Mm -hmm. so we did that and then I sent the book to them as we went so I I sent it basically in 30,000 word chunks as we were as I was writing it just so that just to make sure that I wasn't doing anything that would mess up anything that they had planned basically in future movies or in the movie the upcoming movie or in the third movie or in any of the graphic novels or comic books that they are doing Mm -hmm. so um, or even the video games like there's so many things there's toys there's games (laughs) there's all sorts of stuff so it's like we definitely were you know considering all those stuffs and we formed a really tried to form a really unique story with a unique viewpoint so that it wouldn't have as much commonalities with any of the other narratives that are going on right now but still fit into the larger narrative of the of the world basically yeah well it seems like that pressure that i asked you about like being set in this universe maybe it wasn't so bad because you had all these people to kind of help guide and help you know build it I would have been lost without any of them. And, you know, like I thrive under pressure and challenges. I enjoy the kind of condensed writing period that this a project like this takes, you know, where there's a lot of input and a lot of people who have their hands on it. It's a really collaborative experience. And it's a, it's a little different than my other books where I am, I am more running the show because mm-hmm. it's my original work. And I love this because it's like, it's a group effort. This is all of our books. And then we will give it to the fans and then it will belong to the fans. Yeah. You know, and I love that. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Once you kind of uh, put those, those words on the page, it becomes everybody's it becomes all of us and we can all interpret it in our own ways and you know like in the films if there's something we don't necessarily love we always find a way to spin it you know and make it uh, fit our character my my ultimate dream is for people to write fan fiction (laughs) i guarantee that will happen based off everything that that happens here that would that that would make my life i can't even tell you (laughs) i've i've actually i've read like um about half the book so far and i think already People, people will find those those scenes off scene or somewhere that like there has to be a story there. You know, there's something I here. So. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so, in Jurassic World, um, Claire is a very. Um, I, I always feel bad saying it, but she's cold to you know maybe family or something like that. She's very organized. She's very um, business forward. She knows exactly what she wants. She's a very strong character in Fallen Kingdom. Uh, she's still very strong, but she's completely different. She's changed. She's much more caring, it seems like, and has a different agenda. Um, but who is Claire Deering at the beginning of, you know, or the early days of her life and the evolution of Claire? Well, when Claire's 19, she's very, she's a very ambitious young woman, but she's felt like she's never fit anywhere. She loves her family, but she still feels like an outsider with them. She's very ambitious, and her family is more content to, you know, stay where they are in her little town and, you know, live their quiet little lives. And Claire wants more than that. She wants, she is hungry, (laughs) I guess you could say. (laughs) 
And I feel like when she she arrives on the island, it's this complete revelation for her. It's like she finds her home for the first time. She finds a place where she truly belongs among these peers, these teen peers who don't just see her for who she is, but really value her for her traits that sometimes those traits have been a negative in her past. Mm -hmm. She's a quick thinker and she is a bit of a control freak. (laughs) Um, So when she encounters things on the island that she can't control, it's really hard for her. And it really affects who she becomes as an adult. I'm so excited for all of you to see this side of her, her passions as a young woman and her goals, which are initially very different than the goal she has at the end of the book. She goes through a lot of change in this book. I, there's a, um, there's a metaphor in the book. Um, Claire has a little cicada pin that she wears that was gifted to her and cicadas hibernate for many years and so i kind of took this symbolism and i kind of view claire as a cicada she after the events of this book she puts parts of herself to rest to hibernate for a while her some of her passions that she as a young woman really drove her but that now she feels like she needs to put them to rest to protect herself and so that, and so we, when we, when in the, um, in the first movie, I feel like we see the Claire who is still in hibernation and she's still Claire, but she is, she is closed off. Some parts of herself are closed off. And I feel like in Fallen Kingdom, we see her awaken some parts of herself that she, that have been dormant for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we can see some of her passion, especially with animal preservation, um, that, may not seem like it's in line with the first movies, Claire, but when you read the book, you will understand. Yeah, you know, I, I, I come to terms with the fact that we put a lot on Claire that we uh, that necessarily wasn't even there or, or anything like that because we've had three years to talk about her and to figure out what's her deal, you know, after all this time. And we saw her for maybe a few hours in that movie. We really don't get a good sense of who she is. We see her being very businesslike and that's what a business person would do you know that's her job if you saw you know me or you or anybody else at their job we'd probably be a very different person than we are uh in everyday life or you know coming to terms with our our goals and our dreams and things like that so she has to be very different in that situation in the in a business environment especially that day she has um you know uh sponsors coming in and people that want there she's trying to sell these people right off the bat and she's a different person, and there's obviously a history between her and Owen and all this stuff. So you're kind of trying to get these details out of her, but you're doing it out of you know four hours out of the entire day. So it's kind of it's kind of a lot to put on her to say you know oh I, I didn't I didn't think she was like this before I didn't blah 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 I didn't do you know I didn't know anything about her. Well, now we're gonna know, and I think that connection yes. will will be a little bit more now that we have this backstory. Yeah, we often ask a lot of our female characters, and it can be frustrating as a woman writer. But I, I think that I really hope this book will make some things come more in line, and we will, we will get to see, you know, really where where she comes from and why she was the way she was in the first movie, and why she is the way she is in the second movie. Yeah. you know, I this is my the little stopgap that kind of sheds some illumination on who she was and why she is the way she is. I can see that happening already. I can see a lot of setup as to, you know, family and different things like that and how she is the way she is and, and the environment, the the business environment and stuff like that. You know, the person that you need to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. So I could see how that uh, will change her and, and you know, you know, show who she is now versus how she was in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But moving off of her for a second, I, I have a little question here about dinosaurs because that had to be... Uh, you know, something different for you. I don't know if, if you've written about dinosaurs before. I know you said you were a big dinosaur not. person. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a completely different experience writing about these massive beasts. And like you said, totally. you know, you imagined them in the in the, the forest out there. So what was it right, like to write about dinosaurs? And do you actually have a, a favorite dinosaur? I have my I, I love the brachiosauruses. Um, yes. Yes. Um, yes. I love dinosaurs. I have, I, like, I write contemporary novels usually. That is what I am known for. Um, you know, and I write murder mysteries. So to be able to write about animals of any kind, I am a 
I, I, I've, I've been involved in animal rescue since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to raise feral cats. Um, and I still, I take, I pull feral cats out of the woods all the time <laughs> um, and <laughs> tame them. So to, I, I, I really loved the animal behavior part of the book and to really kind of see some of the problems that the dinosaurs pose that aren't life-threatening problems like getting out, but like are still issues that need to be solved within this world. Like when to integrate a dinosaur into the gyrosphere valley so that the others won't like bully him. Mm -hmm. Or like what to do when one of your young dinosaurs is a little too rambunctious and doesn't have a playmate of their own age. One of the really big joys of this book for me was I really got to showcase some of the dinosaurs' personalities, and you really get to know a few of them pretty well. Um, And so that, for me, was really, really fun because it's something that I have never been able to do before, and I probably will never get to do again because... (laughs) animals like my books are my books are usually like condensed between like five days often in my murder mystery so it's like <laughs> animals don't have it like they can't they're, they're, they they cause too much tra- pro- plot problems <laughs> <laughs> well we won't blame you if there happens to be a, a stegosaurus showing up in one of your murder mysteries i think that'll exactly. be fine <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think that's that's great to kind of get those aspects um, of the park and how things work because that's the stuff that a lot of us want to see as well is uh, building upon these characters, of course, but also the park itself because I think that's uh, – you know, the islands and the park are characters in themselves. So you have to – yeah, there's so much specifically to a park that is operating and running every day and in Jurassic World that's been running every day smoothly for 10 years yes. and it's like – I love Amazing. to see that. Yeah, I, I know. And that's people forget about that when they're like, would you visit Jurassic World? Yes, of course, because it worked perfectly fine every other day, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but I think that's the, the aspect that we love to see. We love to analyze the failings of the original park uh, because there really wasn't much infrastructure in place. This new one <laughs> has everything. It has all the amenities, everything you'd want. And I think we kind of want to know more about that. And it seems like this novel is kind of gearing us up for you know, how this park was created, where the, you know, placing the dinosaurs, like you said, stuff like that, that really makes it feel real. And I love that aspect. Yeah, there's a lot of construction going on in the novel still, you know, the monorail isn't even fully built yet. And not all the dinosaurs are in their permanent habitats. Mm -hmm. So it was really fun to kind of like be like, oh, what is all this chaos? It's a different kind of chaos, I guess you could say. It's a a more ordered chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Still, the interns still get up to trouble because, you know, they're not being watched as closely as maybe they should be. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're college kids. What can you do, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just like a huge theme park guy. If there's like a second love, it's got to be theme parks because they're just so they're so amazing. And, you know, going to a real theme park like, uh, you know, Disney or Universal, you I love seeing the intricacies of how everything works. And just like if you go on a simple ride, like it's a small world, just seeing how that works. So many moving pieces and things like that. And running a dinosaur park has to be even more difficult. You know, the the maintenance, the the, everything about it, you know, it's a giant wildlife refuge. Like it's not even a zoo. It's a refuge, you know, like because they have so much space because they have to, of course. So it's like it's it's fascinating the day to day. And I'm like, do the employees live on the I had so many questions. You should hear (laughs) like a list of questions. I'm like, I need to know this, this, this and this. So kind of wrapping up here, um, I want to I want to know what you are most excited about um, fans learning about Claire's past in this novel. I am excited about everybody just getting a little more insight. And I am really excited about I'm very hopeful. I think that Bryce is a very inspiring person to a lot of young women. She's an amazing role model, and so is Claire. And I hope that my book brings some of that to the center. I think that young people, boys and girls, really, um, they're in a tough time right now. It can, be, it can be really tough to be a teenager. Um, and so I'm really hopeful that this will be inspiring to maybe some, some kids who are maybe a little more geeky or maybe STEM-focused and don't feel great about it, that they will know that they can find their own group and their own, you know, their own raptor pack, basically. Yes. Um, and that, you know, once you, you grow up a little and you find your people. And that's the message that I really, I hope that they take from this. And also, don't chase after dinosaurs. 
Well, that's that's yeah, that's a given. I don't do that. That's definitely a bad idea. I love the messaging though. I think that's fantastic and something we definitely need nowadays. You know. Yeah. All right, so I I want to wrap up on. Something a little fun. We've been doing this a lot recently with our, our guests, and it's basically rapid-fire questions. So okay. I have a, a big list of, of things here. We're going to start the timer for a minute. We'll get through as many as we can. Maybe we'll hit them all. Um, but I just want to get a, a vague generalization of, of like what you think about all these things. So, okay. All right. So let me uh, start the clock here. So ready? In three, two, one. All right. Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, or Jurassic World. Take your pick. I'm an original girl, so Jurassic Park. Nice. Feathers or no feathers? Feathers. I wish that they had feathers. I love me some feathers. It would be beautiful and scary. Um, Yes. Simon Mizrani or John Hammond? Oh, because I wrote him, I have to say Mizrani. (laughs) All right. So this is is critical. The gymnastic scene in The Lost World. Yes or no? I love love the gymnastic scene. I love it when girls are using their skills to escape dinosaurs. It's awesome. It's perfect. I love it. Blue, Delta, Echo, or Charlie? Oh, Blue. I love Blue. Alan Grant or Ian Malcolm? Oh, Ian Malcolm. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no other way. How would you get to Jurassic World, helicopter or ferry? Oh, I'm all about the the ferry. I'm afraid of helicopters. (laughs) (laughs) Isla Nublar or Isla Sorna? Sorna. I have a long fascination with Sorna. I'm very fast. I'm very curious about Sorna. All right. Oh, I want to ask one more thing. I know the clock just ran out, but which is scarier, freshman year or a dinosaur outbreak? I think the freshman showers might be scarier <laughs> than the dinosaur outbreak. So I'm going to say freshman year. Yeah, I, I agree. That's probably scarier. We've seen dinosaurs in movies. We know what to do. You know, you can make it in a kitchen, I think. So freshman year is definitely scarier. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, so we actually have a few copies of The Evolution of Claire um, that we're going to be giving away. I'm really excited that uh, we were able to provide this for our listeners and stuff. So um, if anybody wants to win, you know, we have two copies uh, ready to go. They will be uh, The contest will be on our website. So there's a form on there. you got to fill it out. There's a few different options uh, as to how you can gain entries to this contest. So just make sure you read through everything on our website. Enter as many times as you can with those possibilities. Um, I don't have all the details at the moment, but all the details will be in that post on our website with the time frame and all that. So make sure to read everything carefully. I'm very excited. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait for people to, to have these ones in their hands. I am so excited as well. Yeah, this is it's got to be exciting, right? Like your book is uh, finally going to be out there. And- I haven't written a YA book for a very long time since 2014. So to come back to YA with something like this, it's it's like, seriously, it's a major dream come true. I still, I'm still pinching myself. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, uh, I am very excited that, you know, you get this opportunity to write a book about Claire and to, you know, make her more believable of a character to people that maybe struggled with it before. And just to, to give us this uh, step into a new direction for this entire series. I'm really happy about that. I hope you're, you know, happy to be a part of this fandom and this community. So it's, it's great. I love it. You guys have been so amazing. Seriously, thank you, everybody who is listening to this. You guys have been so sweet and so welcoming. I like cannot tell you what it means to me. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me here today inside the visitor center. It's, I know it's nice, but uh, there's there's like a randomly like they didn't finish building over here behind us. There's like a just a tarp, like I don't know what's going on. So before we get out of here, <laughs> where can everybody find you online? I am at tash-sharp.com and then on Twitter I am sharp girl with an e sharp with an e and then on Instagram where you can see all of my big dogs in my forest and all of yes. my cooking experiments um <laughs> is forest forest of arden and of course where can everybody find this book the evolution of claire Amazon, IndieBound, anywhere that books are sold, and also the library. If you guys can't afford it, I totally understand. And you can just request it at the library. And if the more that you guys request it at the library, the better you help. You help. You totally help me if you guys do that. So that is, I, I am always happy if you guys get your books at the library. Of course, any way you can get this book, yeah. read it, show you know Universal and all the creators that we want more just like this, and that, that this was a great the, job. Yeah, the best way to get more Jurassic books is definitely to support this one. Of course, and, and I, I don't think you'll have any problem there. So I, I, I'm very <laughs> I'm excited. Really 
more authors get to explore this world because I just want to read them. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, why don't we head back to the mainland, get off this island, and uh, say goodbye, you know? Thank you very much. Thank you. See you later. (laughs) Guys, bye. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all of our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast and, of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 155th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Tess for joining me today in the Visitor Center. I really, really love that interview. She was so sweet, and you could tell that she is very passionate about this franchise. Thank you so much, Tess, for bringing this book to us, and uh, and I can't wait for everybody to experience it. Don't forget about our contest on our website. Make sure to fill out the form. Enter all your information for a chance to win two copies. We'll be picking two winners this Friday, the 22nd, on the release day of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Keep an eye on our website for more information. Of course, don't miss all the other contests that we're running currently. We have the Mattel items to give away. We have two prizes there, a grand prize and a runner-up. And then we also have two copies of the Ravensburger Jurassic Park Danger Game to give away, so make sure to check out the posts on JurassicParkPodcast.com. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at JurassicParkPod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.